Hey, gorgeous. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. I'm your host, Jackie Dixon, best-selling author of The Bombshell Manifesto. And my mission is to help you live your manifesto as a biblical bombshell who is healthy, holy, and hot, fully on fire for God, even in the tough areas of body, beauty, and intimacy. I believe our calling is to be fiercely feminine, spreading the gospel as a powerful woman, living out her assignment in all ways. Each week, I'll be giving you motivation, inspiration, and top tips for bombshell living, as well as interviews with bombshells at the top of their game in health, marriage, motherhood, business, and beyond. So you can be inspired to live your own bombshell journey, exploding onto the scene in a way that sets you free and sets the world on fire. Ready, bombshell? If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You can find Bombshell Radio in iTunes, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Himalaya. And while you're there, be sure to leave me a review. I'd love to know your thoughts, and I'd love to know who you'd like me to interview next. Jen, it is so awesome to have you here on Bombshell Radio. I have been wanting to interview you for so long because one, when I had Juliet, it was such a, a wake-up call that I desperately needed doula help. And I'm so glad that we had kind of guessed that we needed it um, because we did. And so then when we had Donovan with you, it was a no-brainer. And I also was way more interested in hypnobirthing because the first delivery with Juliet had been not painless, let's just put it that way. So I was so excited to have found you. And I get so many questions about this now. What is hypnobirthing? Why did you choose hypnobirthing? Was it hard? Did it work? All that kind of stuff. And I give my experience, but I feel like you're going to be such a better resource for these women who have started coming to me like I'm some kind of expert. So I'm really excited to have you here. I've already kind of read off your bio to our, our people. So let's just dive in. Tell me a little bit of your backstory. How did you get interested in working with women in birth? So I had a doula with my first birth. I was actually just reading his birth story because you forget everything, you know? Yeah. So when I have my babies, I, the day after I always write what I remember from their birth. Um, and he came really, really fast. So I, I think his entire birth was four hours and 15 minutes. I didn't quite finish my, oh my story. Gosh. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So for a first time mom, that was insane. And, and I had a doula and she was awesome because um, my doctor wasn't even there and they were like, please don't push. And, and I, they just brought some random doctor on the floor and um, then my doctor came in, put gloves on, caught the baby and that was that. Um, and then my second one, I didn't have a doula. I, I was a stay at home mom. We were going to have two kids and we had one income. And so to save ourselves some money, we hired hospital midwives thinking that they would be my doula. And he came five weeks early and they were not at all a doula. They were very much concerned for the baby as they should be, but no one was there for me and my mental well-being. And so after his birth, I became a doula because I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that it didn't matter who your provider was or where you were giving birth, that you really do need someone there for your mental well-being and that is there watching you and not worried about the monitor or anything else. Mm. So that's how I became a doula. I love that. So, 
He was and, great. And there went off and, off and running. So give me a little bit of a definition then of what a doula is. So first of all, I didn't even know that natural birth was a thing. I was like 33 weeks into Juliet. And then one of my girlfriends was like, and I had the baby at this, you know, birthing center. And he like came out in the water and I held him up like Simba. And I was like, what is this? You know, I had no idea that this was a thing. And, um, so I switched as fast as I could over to an alternative birthing center within the hospital we were at in New Orleans um, and, and found a doula and kind of scrambled as fast as I could. But one thing, I don't think women really understand what nat natural childbirth looks like in some ways, kind of what the, the definitions and options are within natural childbirth and then what a doula is. And of course, you don't have to have a doula at a natural childbirth, you can have a doula at a non. So can you give us kind of the definitions of natural childbirth, doula, and how they do or don't go together? So I... Um, I think mainstream natural childbirth is, um, when you go, when you give birth without any sort of pain medication. Okay. Um, and I think that the role of a doula, I say, we are kind of like a chameleon. We morph into however the birthing person needs or their partner. Um, so I, I think that if someone's going an, a natural childbirth, I think the most important role as a doula is that a lot of people aren't trained in natural childbirth. So a nurse is not trained in natural childbirth. She's trained in medicated childbirth. She's trained how to read the monitor strip and um, just how to help in getting different um, like medical based things done for you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to go unmedicated, you really do need a doula there that's trained in what it looks like to go unmedicated because just like your birth, <laughs> our nurse had, I mean, she sees a lot of natural childbirth. She had no idea that that baby was coming out. None. <laughs> Not even the midwife. The midwife was like what? <laughs> you know, and, and that happens so much because they are trained to watch a monitor strip and they can tell by the monitor strip if the baby is descending or crowning or anything like that. But if you don't have a monitor on you, they don't know what's going on. So that's really what a doula is there for is we're trained to watch the mom and her body language and figure out where she's at. And from there, help her and assess her. Mm, that's awesome. That's such a, such a good way to put it because you're right. Like, I was thinking when you were saying people aren't trained in natural childbirth, you were thinking of the, the woman, but you're right. The people at the medical facility are not necessarily trained in natural childbirth. And if they don't have their stats, it's like, what's happening? So first one kind of side question that I'd love to go into my birth because this story is hilarious and involves you so much. But um, so is it worth having a doula if you're still planning on a medicated childbirth? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, the biggest benefit when you have a doula, when you have a medicated birth, is it just ensures that you are getting rotated and moved at a frequency that's actually going to help baby descend. Mm -hmm. So it, it decreases your chance of needing a cesarean. Um, and that's, and even when we get to pushing, if you're medicated, you can't always feel where baby is at. And so sometimes pushing is, um, something that takes work in figuring out like what works best for you. And mm -hmm. so that's very, very beneficial of having a doula there because we can help different positions and stuff like that. That's not just on your back. Mm -hmm. And if it's on your back, there are different ways we can move your legs and stuff like that to kind of help baby descend. Yeah, totally. And I think the biggest selling point for me with picking a doula both times was that, you know, and I didn't even really process this because I hadn't had 
a child and I really haven't spent much time in the hospital other than for births, but fortunately, but the medical team is changing while you're there. You know, you're on one shift and then that nurse and midwife leaves or doctor leaves and you're with a whole new set of people with different, you know, ideas of how it should be done, different personalities. They have no idea what your story is. They just walked in. Whereas the doula has this continuity of, first of all, your goals from even before you got into the hospital for labor, you know, you've been chatting for a while but also just like watching your body, watching the progress. She sees the full picture and kind of knows, whereas these nurses and midwives are, you know, they're seeing other people, they're in and out. It's, you can feel, I think, kind of lost in the shuffle if you don't have somebody who's really watching your story unfold and helping you with it. Right. And making sure that you stay on track for what your goals are. Yeah, totally. But my understanding is that a doula has like these, these medical lines as far as you can't tell the medical practitioners what the person's desire is like, like kind of, um, speak for them and you can't do anything medical, right? It's kind of this, like, we have to still speak for ourselves, but you're there helping to encourage us to get what we wanted. Is that right? Right. If something happened in your birth that I knew you didn't want, I would just say, Hey, Jackie, doctor, you know, so-and-so is about to do X, Y, and Z. Are you okay with that? And maybe here's why they want to do it. You know, give you a little bit of background because I think sometimes in the medical field, they're just so used to doing it because they want to do it and they forget to ask you how you feel about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I watch for too, is just to make sure that you know what's happening to you and um, that you agree to it, right? That mm -hmm. it's not just happening to you without ever being told what's going on. Totally. Totally. So let's go into my birth a little bit, which feels like yesterday and a year ago. He's turned three months a couple, a couple days ago. So I had what, I mean, you know, all the terms you were coaching me through this. I had a ton of padromal labor, right? It was a very stressful summer for us. I was constantly starting labor and then hoping that this was it because I wanted him to come a little earlier and then it would stop. And then finally, when we got to the hospital, I had to be induced. And from there, it's kind of like what you were describing is that I wasn't because I did the hypnobirthing, which I know we'll chat about in a second. I wasn't showing the signs of a woman who's like heading toward transition and starting to howl and all these kinds of things, but you knew what you were doing. So tell me just from your perspective, what you saw unfold and how you kind of sensed, okay, you know, and then even the toilet scene, which was so glorious where I didn't give birth on the, on the toilet. Thank goodness. So what, what, from your perspective, cause I was in a daze, how did the birth unfold? Well, I mean, if we start from, <laughs> yeah, we can start a way back on day one, right? Because we went in three times. So on day oh, yeah. one, we totally thought you were having a baby, and then no, we didn't want to do yeah. pitocin. And then same thing happened for day two. Um, and then the day that you finally went in for the induction, where I think you were just like, "I'm done, whatever." Yeah. Like I've given up. I've tried everything. Nothing's we'll working. We're just gonna have a baby this way. And um, I know that. Uh, we had the one nurse that we really didn't like. And for some reason, like at the end of her shift, she just loved to be in our room. And I, I'm like, any other room you could go to, why no. do you have to be in ours? Um, and she was so adamant about you laying down. And um, I mean, we were like, no, you're not laying down. You, you don't want to lay down. Laying down's not comfortable. And, um, I think that when you were in that and you were just very focused on like, no, honey, I'm not laying down. I'm good like this. Um, you know, he had just dropped. And that I think from that point, it really kicked into high gear. And then you stayed the same. Like you didn't change in body language. Um, 
but I think when he dropped and you refused to lay down, it was more of like that zone that kind of, it went from really wide to really closed in and you were just focused. Um, and then, you know, we got up to go to the bathroom cause you hadn't gone to the bathroom all in a long time. And then I think that that movement kind of got mm -hmm. him like right where he needed to be. And then sure enough, you peed and then you were like, Oh, actually you didn't even say anything. I was like, Jackie, Jackie, <laughs> don't start pushing. <laughs> Get out to the table. That was amazing. And whatever little peppermint drops you use or whatever. So that's where I feel like, cause you were the only one in the room at that time, which I mean, yeah. again, I was kind of in the tunnel, but I kind of was aware of that. But when you guys told me later, it was a lot more obvious. It was David helping me go to the bathroom. And then you being like, I hear pushing sounds and no one else was there. Right. Um, so really you kind of had to like call in all the troops to get this to happen well. And so if I hadn't had you and David's still holding my arm on the toilet, I don't know what we would have done. Well, and what's crazier about it is our nurse came in and cause she heard you. Cause that was like the one time that you made like a really loud, like moan Yeah. and she came in real quick and I was like, okay, good. She knows that she's pushing, like we're good. And I stepped out to text the photographer to say, oh, you need to come back here right now. We're going to have a baby. And then I came back in and the nurse was just really like nonchalant about it. And I was like, okay, maybe like, uh, listen, every hospital is different. So I never really know kind of what I'm walking into and every nurse is different and what their comfort level is. But so when she wasn't trying to get you off the toilet, I was like, okay, like maybe we're going to, they're cool with toilet deliveries. I don't know. I mean, at a home birth setting, it's totally fine. Like they don't care. Um, but that's why I asked you, I was like, do you want to have your baby here? And you did not. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, we're moving. <laughs> and then even when we got on the bed and you were pushing, she didn't move. And I'm like, okay. Taking over here. Oh, she's yeah. having the baby right now. Right. And she was like, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I was even surprised, you know, which kind of takes us into hypnobirthing is like, I remember being sitting on the edge of the bed and I had my Bluetooth headphones on blocking most things out. I could kind of hear what people are saying, but I was still in the zone. Mm -hmm. David was right next to me because I reached that point where I was like, I want physical contact with my husband. Right. I want him right here. I don't care what he's doing. He has to be here. And, um, and I remember thinking, I think I'm in like transition, but that can't be right. You know, but I felt like the, the shivering and, you know, I was, I was vocalizing differently. Yeah. Um, and, but I still didn't expect it to happen as quickly and easily as it did. So define hypnobirthing a little bit for us. Cause when I, so I heard first about natural birth and one girlfriend and then another one told me about hypnobirthing and it was like, I just didn't even feel it. It was amazing. And I thought you're out of your mind. You know, my first birth, I was just screaming for Jesus to save me and every F bomb in the world, you know? So um, when I was listening to the, the recordings, trying to prepare for this as best I could, I'd listen like getting ready for bed and stuff. I just thought, you know, she's talking about rainbows and ocean waves. There is no way that when I'm in labor, this is going to work. You know, I mean, it's nice, but there's just no way. And so I was shocked that, and I mean, you have to, you have to agree with the recording to some extent. You have to decide, okay, I'm going to let my body not tense up. I'm going to believe that this is possible, even if it seems stupid. Right. Um, but I think that maybe that tunnel vision you get in with labor kind of helps because it's like you can only focus on one thing anyway. So if you just choose right. this stuff, right. The point is I was flabbergasted that it worked. So give us a little bit of an overview of what hypnobirthing is and you know, how much does a woman have to prepare for it? Cause I, I tried, but I felt like I couldn't possibly be ready, but it still really helped a lot. So there are two main types of hypnobirthing. There's, um, 
hypnobirthing, which is generally a five or a 12 week course that people can take. It's either you read a book or you can take like an in-person class. You did hypno babies, right? I don't know what I did. I ordered some like MP3s off of iTunes is what I did. <laughs> and then there's also hypno babies and hypno babies is a 12 week self-study course that you can do. Um, both of them are designed with two things in mind. One, they want to retrain your brain and how you think about childbirth. Um, mainstream media has made everyone believe that childbirth is like this big, bad, scary wolf thing that, um, you know, you're going to die doing and, oh my gosh, you need to have an epidural. Like you, why would you ever want to go through something like this? And hypnobirthing teaches you something completely different. They teach you um, that, you know, your body was made to do this and it is perfectly capable of doing it. And it's not a scary thing, but this is a very joyful thing. And um, that our bodies can even conceive a baby, carry a baby, and then deliver a baby. Like, that's mind-blowing. And so that's kind of what hypnobirthing teaches you is that this is a beautiful process and you need to embrace it. Um, the biggest thing I think that the techniques on why hypnobirthing works is exactly like you said, it's used as a distraction method. Mm -hmm. So it is designed that instead of focusing on what's happening within your body, you're focusing on what the recording is saying to you and then that your brain is over here instead of right here. And then your body can actually do what it needs to do in order to have your baby. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of times if Otherwise, what happens is we get so focused on like what's going on and it's very hard not to just allow our body to do what it's doing because yeah. we don't, we want to control everything. <laughs> so in childbirth, you can't control anything, right? Like, yeah. At all. <laughs> totally. I remember with our first child and I was like in the middle of crowning and I was like, I just, I actually want to opt out right now. I need, I need this to stop. And she right. was like, ah, uh, sweetie, it doesn't stop. You know, this, this doesn't, you're, you're in something that you can't control basically. Right. So yeah, no, I think that that was, it was such a change maker for me and really kept my body so much. I think that's just a great way to describe it. It was distracted, you know, and so it could do what it knew to do because my little monkey brain was not sitting there having a breakdown. So right. I think that's- And you awesome. also weren't able to get in your head and tell yourself that you couldn't do it because labor yes. is a mental game and it's all, we will tell ourselves that I'm not strong enough to do this. There's no way I can do this. And if you're distracted listening to something that's encouraging you and building you up and telling you that you're capable of doing it, you don't have time for that negative feedback to get into your head. Yeah, totally. Especially because you're in that tunnel where, you know, I think as women, we're used to having our brains ping pong everywhere. And it really, you kind of can't when you're in those final moments of labor, like you are in a vortex. And so right. what do you put in front of your, your mind in that vortex makes the biggest difference. So is it harder, because I didn't try it, is it harder for women to hypnobirth their first child just because labors are often longer? Mm -mm. No. Nope. Really? It's the same. Yeah. Wow. No, it's... That's encouraging. It does... It, it, and I would say that it doesn't... The first one doesn't necessarily have to be longer. Mm, I think sure, it's... It generally is longer because your body is going through this process for the first time, but it's not any harder to go through it the first time as it is the sixth time. It's mm -hmm. all pretty much the same. I actually think that it's harder to do it for subsequent births because oh. the shorter your laboring process is, the more intense it is at a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. If you are in labor for 36 hours, you probably are only in active labor six of those 
36 mm-hmm. hours, but those other 30 hours, that's when, if you were doing hypnobirthing in an ideal world, you're listening to those tracks and you're laying in bed and you're sleeping and you're relaxing and mm-hmm. it's not intense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. It's like everything's sped up. Like Right. Huh. So what would you recommend if there's a woman who either has had a first child and wants to do this differently the next time or is going into what I honestly have been encountering a lot with women is women who are frankly scared of having children because of the childbirth experience. And they're almost like refraining from conceiving because it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to birth the thing. So what would you tell a woman who wants to try to do hypnobirthing or even natural birth and hypnobirthing to prepare? Like how could she both mentally and just logistically head down that path well as much as she can control? Well, I think that um, I would I would start with any of the hypnobirthing tracks right away because um, I personally really like hypnobabies because it is such a more in-depth process and it goes over just like all the changes that are happening to your body and giving them a positive um, a positive outlook on the birthing process itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, just what you said goes exactly to, you know, the movies that you see on TV of birth being this really big, scary thing. And um, I just had a client on Monday deliver a 10 pound baby unmedicated. And afterwards she was like, that was so much better than I ever imagined it to be. And I'm thinking like, what? <laughs> but you know, she had in her mind this like crazy, scary situation. And that's not at all what it looks like, you know? Um, so get away from watching TV that has anything to do with birth and tell all of your friends that want to share their scary birth stories to back away and really just focus on positive birth stories. And, um, I think the best place to see what birth looks like is like on YouTube where people record their own births and that's real birth. Um, not something that Hollywood puts on, you know, mm. and, um, and really stay away from those negative birth stories. Cause everybody will share their negative birth story. But I think that there are a lot of positive birth stories that women just are afraid to share because they don't want those people that had those negative experiences to feel bad, you know, yeah. that, but birth mm. is not, it's not scary like that. And really, yeah. really, really get a doula that you love and, um, doulas come in all sort of like there's a doula for everyone. It doesn't matter what your financial situation is. And that's another thing I wish I had known with my second one is I could have gotten a student doula that would have been amazing and would have cost me very little um, because I didn't need somebody very experienced. I knew that I would probably have a very fast birth. Um, so I, I just, everybody needs a doula, everyone. That's awesome. That's really great. Cause I, you know, that's something that I've thought about too, is once we had Julia and, you know, we didn't really have family in the area in New Orleans, but we decided to invest in the doula because it's like, we don't know what we're doing and we're heading into something that can go really wrong and we don't want it to. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of women are, are scared by the idea of this is an investment that I can't afford, you know, and one to realize it's, it's like so much can happen during the birth process for it to go well. And every birth is a miracle. Every time a human being comes out, it's a miracle. But for it to go well is such a blessing for the mother and the child. So that's amazing. I didn't even realize there were student doulas, kind of like a student, you know, massage therapist or something or a student hairstylist where it's way cheaper. And where could somebody find, I mean, is it just Google, word of mouth? I know it's so so local areas. Um, Dona.org is the probably the place I would search for first. I personally like Dona for a certifying organization just because I, um, 
I think that they have the most in-depth certification process for doulas to go on mm. or doulamatch.net is doula basically a directory of all doulas all over the world. And that's a great place. And, um, they have like a budget in there so you can search by like whatever your budget is and kind of find a doula that way. But I think a lot of people like that's how I had a doula with my first one is my family lives in California. I was giving birth in Virginia. You know, you never know when a baby's going to come. It's not like I could have my mom fly out. Yep. But even in that, I will tell you as a doula, family members are not usually the best people to help mm. you through a birth because they're the ones that are like, my baby, my baby's in pain. I can't have <laughs> And, you know, like, they just want you to get an epidural. They can't help you because they're, like, freaking out for you because they want to go through it for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and dads are like, my wife, my wife, you know? And yeah. so the doula is like, okay, mom and dad, you calm down and you guys do this. And she's like, you're good. You're good. You know? Yeah, like, totally. you're perfect. Stay there. I love it. Yeah, I think people who watch it sometimes freak out more than the person who's in it. It's just like, what is happening? And I, I need to go, like, get some water, <laughs> you know? So I think that's a really good point too, is understanding that this is a, a uniquely suited person to be able to handle the situation, to be really comfortable with all of the, I mean, let's be real, like birth is gory, really. There's just so much blood and fluids and it's a mess. So I haven't really, I didn't want to look down there, you know, after I had had birth. So I think there's just so much to say for having a woman who supports you through this. So a couple more questions. I would just, I mean, part of me just kind of has to know what are some of the craziest things that you've seen as a doula and without, you know, terrifying us maybe, but some things where you're like, wow, didn't see that one coming. Um, oh gosh, that's like my hardest question because I, I feel like the craziest births are the ones that are the coolest ones, you know, like, like, like the, having the baby on the toilet where I had never, ever <laughs> seen that before. And I'm like, what? You get to have a baby on the toilet. And, um, I think my favorite births are ones that I do with, um, home birth midwives because mm -hmm. I well, I think sometimes I get really jaded cause I'm in a hospital a lot. And sure. so, um, the, they look at birth so differently and they're like, Oh, that's no big deal. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I've never had any births where I've had to catch a baby. Thank goodness. Cool. Um, so I don't have anything crazy like that. Um, and we've always made it to a hospital or a birthing center. So I'm good on that role too. <laughs> you know, we've usually made it into like a room. So I don't have anything crazy where they're like in the middle of the lobby having a baby. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Good. That's, that's a good track record. We'll keep it that way. Yeah. So, I love following you on Instagram and you have some posts every now and then that just show like a birth that is, I mean, it's, it's so beyond what we're shown through, through the movies, right? Where the woman's like pinned down in the ugliest hospital gown, legs spread, you know, all kinds of tubes hooked up to her. Um, so what about birth do you love? And I mean, I know that some of those are just, just the moment is so powerful, but just all of these different kinds of births that unfold. Why? I mean, what made you so passionate about this? Because for me personally, I was thinking, would I ever be a doula? And I thought, no, you know, my own births are so stressful. I don't think I could do this for anybody else. So why do you keep coming back to this moment of birth for women? I think what has me addicted is that I get to watch a woman transform when they give birth. I think that um, that first like hour where she's like, holy cow, I, I can't believe that I you know, that our body made this baby and that I carried this baby. And then I birthed this baby. Even if we have a cesarean, like that doesn't even matter. Like your yeah. body still made this baby and you, um, 
just women like watching their babies and, you know, like looking at their ears and their toes and their fingers. And, and then my other favorite part is dads that are bawling that are like, I can't believe she just did that. And like, I love, 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 love that. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. I think it's so beautiful. So one more question about birth and I've got a couple of quick kind of rapid fire questions for you about favorite books and that kind of thing. How would you, and I'm sure you've been in this situation before, so what do you say to reassure a woman whose birth story hasn't really unfolded the way she's wanted it to? And I've certainly had friends where they went in with a goal and just everything kind of seemed stacked against them and they, they didn't have a bad birth, but it was not what they planned. And there's a sense of disappointment afterwards. So how do you tell a woman that still, she'll, she's still amazing, essentially, even if it didn't go quite her way? Well, I think that the first thing to remember, um, no matter what, is that usually in situations like that, they're trying to control their birth. Mm -hmm. And um, the biggest thing to know is baby runs the show and there's nothing we can do as the parent to change that. And that's not like, you're going to see that reflected in your kids. Like (laughs) I can't make them do something. I can like leave them in the way I want them to go. And birth is like that. So a lot of times if I have clients that have had a traumatic birth experience, I want to hear about what happened And then, um, you know, ask them based on that, like as a doula, here's what I would have done or suggested, like, did these things happen for you? And if they Mm -hmm. didn't happen, then we know, okay, well, going into this next birth experience, if this happens again, these are the other steps we're going to take to see if we can get a different outcome. Um, You know, some babies are just going to be the way that they're going to be born that way that they're going to be born. That's how they chose to come out. Like if they have to have a cesarean, um, that's okay. Sometimes like that's why we have modern medicine and it works out great. Um, and then there are other times where I'm like, we didn't need that surgery. We just needed someone to, um, encourage you and talk through it. And any traumatic birth experience that you've had in the beginning, it is extremely, extremely important to make sure that you tell your birthing team about it and then Mm -hmm. be willing to discuss it in this next labor because um, sometimes women can get in their heads and get a lot of fear when they're going through the birthing process again and Mm -hmm. it stalls their labor because they need to talk through the emotions that they're feeling and let those go in order to move on and have this other positive birthing experience. So just be open and honest about what you're feeling and it, it, it's okay to be vulnerable. Like this is the most vulnerable time in your life and you just need to own it. That's awesome. You know, cause I do so much work with women around sexual abuse and sexual trauma and it's <clears throat> probably really similar, you know, yeah. and I mean, same part of the body where this is a really open, powerful moment where, you know, it's, it's very much a core of your identity, but you're really out of control of what's happening. And so if there's been anything that's traumatic, it can so definitely affect what happens in the future. So I love Absolutely. that you said that. And yeah. if any of your clients have had um, a rape or any sort of sexual trauma, parts of giving birth can trigger that. And so we want to be mindful of that. And um, even if you don't want to tell your nurse, just having your doula know or your doctor know, um, because, and most importantly, your partner know, because if you're being triggered by something, you need to be able to tell them so they can help you deal with that and process it. Mm -hmm. And then I additionally always recommend that they go have some sort of therapy after the birth Mm -hmm. to talk with a therapist about like, how that process connected with the other process just for healing because it brings up a lot. And, um, 
it, it can be very, very, very triggering for some people. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, it makes so much sense now, but you don't think of it. And sometimes, you know, <clears throat> even if that's your situation, it doesn't necessarily occur to you that that's what's happening to you. And so there's this sense of like, why is this so negative for me right now? I, I just don't understand. So one more question I just thought of. A lot of my viewers are Christian, are really dedicated to doing life God's way. So how does being a believer, which is one of the reasons I chose you as a doula that was so important to me, kind of inform what you do? And I mean, we can touch a little bit on why hypnobirthing is okay, because that whole hypnosis idea kind of scarifies people. But it's so much more about the, the word, and it's really more of a guided meditation. Um, but just what does being a believer mean in birthing? I'm sure that just looking at God's design unfolding is part of it, but I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. I, I, for a lot of it for me is just that it's that mind blowing. I can't believe our bodies can do that. And I can't believe that, um, that we're even like given that gift that that's what we do. Our bodies make these beautiful babies and, um, that just watching that miracle of life is the craziest um, thing that I will ever see. And I, I, every time I go into a birth, I'm always like at my drive in, I'm praying that like, okay, Lord, make my hands do, you know, what you want them to do. And my words come out the way you want them to come out. And not all of my clients are religious by any means. And I support all kinds of different people. So, um, and I never enter the birth world to be like, let's pray about it, you know, or anything like that. <laughs> but I'm always open to, you know, helping them through their process of whatever religion or lack thereof they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I'm sure that's, you know, that guided hands thing is why I didn't have a baby on the toilet. So I'm so grateful for you. Okay. So I want to wrap up with a couple. Yeah. Toilet baby. Donovan is not a toilet baby. He was a bed baby. A bed baby. A bed baby. Okay. A bed baby. And I have a very happy bed baby. So, um, a couple rapid fire questions to, to wrap up. So I love to ask these just at the end of the podcast and get people kind of quickly thinking about what's bringing them joy and that kind of stuff. First one, what is bringing you the most joy right now? Uh, that I am on vacation and I, <laughs> we actually, my husband and I got to spend the night without our children. Oh boy. That's awesome. I think the last time we did this was five years ago when we went away for our five year anniversary. So um, that's been amazing. And it's, let me think it's going to be 70 degrees today and sunny. Oh. So like I came awesome. from snow, so I'm loving this. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. I know I've seen the pictures in DC and just thought one, I missed the snow, but two, I'm actually glad I'm not there. So freezing. exactly. Good for you. Okay. So something that you do most mornings, not every morning goes the way we want it to, that brings you life that just like is kind of part of your morning routine and really starts you well for the day. Uh, that would be going to the gym. Ooh. I like survive on going to the gym every day. Well, at least Monday through Friday. I don't go on the weekends. That's my family time, but that's what gets me going and keeps me sane and, um, is my like rejuvenation time. Good. I love that. Okay. And favorite recent book. Oh, I just read the darkest minds series and that was really good. Oh, wow. That sounds, um, what's it like? Um, Oh gosh, not my boys are reading it too. It's kind of like, um, oh, I can't even think of the series, but it's about kids that um, have been like genetically changed. And so they have oh, superpowers. Wow. So kind of like the Avengers a, okay. a bit. And it's just a really good book. So okay. I finished the whole series. <laughs> 
So you read it and then your kids can read it too. It's kind of yeah. recommendation. Yeah. The letter, letter books in the series, I'm like, oh, I don't know if we can read these ones. But the first book was good. And okay. it also was a movie. So I'm like, okay, we can watch the movie as a family. That'll be fun. That's good to know. So preview the later books just to kind of double check. Good to know. Okay. Three things you're most grateful for. Um, my family, probably number one. We are a big family. And I love spending time with them. Um, I'm very grateful for like my church and friend network. Mm. Um, and then like my birth colleagues, because, you know, the day I went on vacation, I had one baby and then that night I had another baby and I'm like, oh friends, <laughs> help. They were supposed to wait till I came back and they did it. How rude. Those children. Oh, I'm really bummed that I missed them. Oh, Babies come when babies come. <laughs> no kidding. They're on their own. Okay. One way that women can honor themselves more. Actually taking time for themselves. Mm. I don't think that women take any time for themselves. And I think that we feel really guilty when we take time for ourselves. Oh. But it is the most important thing in the whole wide world because I don't think we fill ourselves up enough or feed ourselves with positive information about who we are. Totally. I love that. And that makes such a big difference for our kids. But I think there's such a kind of generational history of women sacrificing everything all the time. And it's really tough to break that cycle. Yeah. I love that. Okay. <clears throat> Your advice for life in one sentence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Doesn't have to be perfect. It's not the thing you're leaving the earth on. I... I feel like for me, I would say, um, like our life motto as a family is just about going out and experiencing the world and not, um, maybe it was David that we were talking about this at your birth too, where we're like crazy traveler. Like, I just want to yeah. go and experience the world and show our children that this little bubble that we live in, that's not what it looks like all mm -hmm. over. And, um, so maybe get outside of your bubble. I love that. That's a good one. I think it's especially, you know, Northern Virginia area, right? I think we both would agree that's very much a bubble. Okay, yeah. last one. Just overall, anything else you want the listeners to know? Like just final closing thoughts. Um, that hypnobirth isn't hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You know, I think that a lot of people think that hypnobirthing is, um, you know, in high school you had the, the panel of people and they clucked like chickens. Yes. Like that's not I totally what did. it looks like. Um, and that, you know, birth comes in all different shapes and sizes and colors and it's all beautiful and um, like own it. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much, Jen. I mean, just having you here has been a joy. It's so fun to see you and hear you again. I mean, I know, but I wish I could hug you. <laughs> I know a virtual hug. I will be back in DC, so we'll have to meet up, but um. It just you obviously went through one of the most important and vulnerable times of my life with me. And, you know, similarly, the birth itself was beautiful, but the process getting there was like not what I was hoping for. And I just remember breaking down so many times. And so just the role that you played was invaluable. I'm so grateful to you. And it, I think is such an example. And I hope that women will really take this seriously of why having somebody in your corner, I mean, even, you know, just having your first child, having a second child, adding it to the mix is such a life changer. Your husband can be kind of losing his mind over it. Your family's got all their opinions, names, all this kind of stuff. And so having a woman who is, doesn't have any 
you know, conditions or expectations or things that she needs on her end just to care for you and walk with you through the process is, is a game changer. It is just yeah. a game changer. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this stuff with these ladies. I know it's going to be encouraging and informative. So you're the best. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me in to your network and then your birth too, because it was yeah. amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you, my dear. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension. This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, but if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped-in femininity that is out there, that is possible, but that's incredibly difficult to find. Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling that we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into, to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. 
The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, who continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free. Let's set our families free. And let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.